The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Good News Ride Home for Tuesday, June 23rd, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. A pet robot that's helping cure COVID-19 loneliness. If you thought the fireworks going off every night in your town was bad, let me tell you about a city in France that has set them off every single day for 150 years. Jurassic Park was number one in the U.S. box offices this past weekend. Like, the original Jurassic Park from 1993. And are you ready to go to Flavortown, Ohio? Here are some of the cool things from the news today. The lockdown has been a lonely time for just about everyone, but especially for older people who are among the most vulnerable, and many of whom live in nursing homes who have had to close to all visitors for months. To help resolve some of the loneliness many seniors are experiencing, some facilities have turned to robots for help. Specifically, a stuffed seal robot that was built as a kind of pet therapy. Quoting Wired, Pero looks more like a luxe toy than a healthcare tool. Modeled after a baby harp seal and deliberately scaled to the weight of a human infant, Pero coos and wiggles and blinks its unnervingly expressive eyes when it's held. But Pero isn't just a $6,000 piece of cute overload. Underneath its cuddly fur lies sophisticated artificial intelligence designed to comfort people. End quote. While it originally received some criticism over fears that it could encourage bonding with a robot instead of engaging in actual human connection, now it seems like the perfect solution for our new social distancing reality. And despite those fears, even before COVID-19, Pero really seemed to work. Quoting again, Sandra Peterson, program director for the University of Texas at Tyler's nursing department and manager of a geriatric house call practice, has studied the robot's effects on people with Alzheimer's disease, and she found that Pero reduced reliance on psychotropic drugs, improved blood pressure and oxygenation levels, and stirred the emotions of patients who had otherwise often appeared disconnected. These people who supposedly had little short-term memory began interacting with Pero. As the study progressed, they'd see the Pero coming and recognize it, Peterson says, One lady who had been nonverbal for eight years, per her family's report, started talking, and her first words were, I love you, to the paro. Is there something disconcerting about a woman who is unable to communicate with her family being able to form a bond with a robot? Maybe. But for humans who are able to look past the weirdness of developing emotional ties with robots, those connections can result in real benefits. Julie Carpenter, a research fellow in the Ethics and Emerging Sciences Group at California Polytechnic State University, has studied the research on Pero and says that the effect the robot can have is similar to animal therapy. Carpenter also sees Pero's artificialness as a boon to harried caregivers. In nursing home settings where Pero has been used, the attendants have brought up the fact that it's easier for them to have Pero than an actual animal visit because they don't need to clean or care for the animal, she says. They can focus on the patient. End quote. And during the pandemic, it's not just the elderly who have made use of Pero. 
Workers at a call center for coronavirus testing questions in Tokyo were given paro robots to help with stress relief. A nurse in Atlanta who has had to live apart from his family during the pandemic to make sure he doesn't spread the virus to them has used a paro to keep him company. The paro isn't cheap, though. At $6,000, it's more practical as a company-level investment for certain facilities and workplaces versus an individual purchase. But more and more equivalent types of robots are starting to hit the market, with some at lower prices. And while this cuddly, medical-grade robot therapy animal is certainly a huge boon for our pandemic times, Door Schooler, a co-founder of Intuition Robotics, who makes the LEQ Digital Companion, points out that, if anything, this pandemic should serve to shine a light on the very real problem of isolation and loneliness among seniors, and that when things get back to some form of normal, we perhaps find ways to make such robot companions less necessary. Let's not forget about older adults when we go back to work, he says. I originally thought this was just happening in my neighborhood, but apparently it's happening all over the country. Fireworks. Endless fireworks going off every single night. Sure, it's almost the 4th of July, but this has been happening in towns across the nation for weeks. In New York City, over 1,300 complaints have been made about fireworks the past two weeks, compared to just 25 last year. Boston, too, has seen complaints increase by 2,300% compared to last year. There's all kinds of theories as to why this is happening from the more reasonable, more people are at home, bored, and with canceled July 4th events, the fireworks stores have had more stock on hand that they're selling super cheap. To the hard-to-believe, like a coordinated psyops campaign by the police. Whatever the reason, if they're bothering you, or your kids, or your dog, just be glad that you don't live in Nice, France. Or, I guess, Anaheim, California, or Orlando, Florida, since they have daily fireworks at Disneyland and World. But the story behind the daily fireworks in Nice is more interesting, and has been going on for far longer. While some towns mark the time with church bells, every day at noon for the past 150 years, the people of Nice have set off fireworks. Quoting Atlas Obscura, The quaint midday explosion dates back to the mid-19th century, when British nobles frequently spent winter in Nice. In 1862, a punctual lord from Edinburgh, Sir Thomas Coventry, is said to have tired of waiting for his wife to return from social engagements to join him for lunch. He organized for a cannon to be fired at noon as a sign for her to come home for their meal, writes Alex Benvenuto, a local historian, in an email. When he returned to his castle in Edinburgh, he left a pretty sum of money to Nice's city council to maintain it. Benvenuto continues, The mayor at the time, Francois Malusena, then voted in a municipal decree to ensure his wishes were upheld. Coventry may have been inspired by a similar practice in his hometown. Edinburgh Castle still fires a gun at one in the afternoon for ships in the Firth of Forth, and Rome also has a midday cannon tradition. End quote. So I don't love that the cannon was originally a public marker for a dude's wife to go home to him. It's kind of like if a man used the PA system at the mall for lost kids, but on his wife. But it seems like it has been a long time since it was ever associated with that, and now is just a valued tradition in the town. Many residents use it as a reminder to step away from work and take a lunch break. In fact, when the cannon was suspended for 56 days during the pandemic, residents wrote into the city to ask why the cannon was not deemed an essential service. And Philippe Arnello, who is responsible for the cannon, said his friends were texting him that without the cannon, they had forgotten to eat lunch. 
Arnello is a second-generation pyrotechnician and has run the cannon since 1992. He says that in 30 years, he's only been late twice. Pandemic aside, the cannon runs every single day, except Bastille Day, when it's silent to honor the lives lost in the 2016 Nice terror attack. Arnello also says that he likes to try to prank people on April Fool's Day by playing the cannon early. And I say cannon, but while the tradition began as a cannon, in 1886 they replaced it with fireworks. Colorless fireworks, nothing fancy. Although for special occasions, they do pull out the old cannon and dress in period clothing to reenact the original tradition. Usually, it's just Arnello alone setting off the fireworks every day in a designated place beside a cemetery in the police department, but on occasion, people do come out to watch. And there's just two small booms. One initial one that can only be heard in the immediate vicinity when the 5.6-ounce packet of gunpowder is lit, and a second, louder one that can be heard across the whole town when the explosion erupts into the sky. All in all, basically just one small firework at the same time every day does actually sound preferable to this barrage of fireworks going off at all hours of the night. So maybe if that all keeps up, I'll just have to move to Nice. Even as some movie theaters begin to cautiously reopen, most studios have delayed releases of films until later this year. Which means that those theaters that are opening have had to depend on movies released earlier this year, like Trolls World Tour, or Play the Classics. About 1,100 movie theaters have reopened in the U.S., and of the 200 top-grossing currently, 160 of them are drive-ins, which tend to favor nostalgia films anyway. Between that and the fact that no new movies came out last weekend, it makes sense, though makes it no less weird, that Jurassic Park was the number one film in America this past weekend, making it the fourth time the film has topped the box office charts in its 27-year history after having been number one for the first three weeks after it was released in 1993, and also making it up to number four when a 3D version was released in 2013. At number two this past weekend, according to Deadline and Industry Estimates, was Jaws. That was followed by some newer flicks like The Invisible Man and, yes, Trolls World Tour. But coming in at number six was Back to the Future, followed by E.T. at number eight and The Goonies at number ten. So basically, theaters across America are just playing all of my favorites. Jurassic Park was actually the first movie that I saw in the movie theater, and when it came out on VHS, my brother and I watched it every single day after school. And Back to the Future is, no joke, my favorite movie of all time. My parents accidentally recorded over my birth video with a bootleg of Back to the Future Part 3, and honestly, I'm not even mad about it. But back to the numbers, because they are just so wild. The highest-grossing newer movie last weekend was the horror film Followed. It brought in $127,000, which sounds really, really bad until you hear that Jurassic Park at the top of the pack grossed $517,000, and that's considered incredibly good these days. For context, the weekend before lockdown started affecting theaters, Onward grossed $39 million. Before the pandemic, on a holiday weekend such as President's Day, the overall gross for the top 10 films was $163 million. On Easter weekend, during the lowest point for the movie industry during the pandemic, the top 10 films grossed a total of $3,675. Yeah. And the amount that individual cinemas are bringing in is kind of shocking as well, even if it all makes sense. 
Even though some of the top-grossing drive-ins made around $100,000 over the weekend, most of the fully indoor cinemas that reopened did not fare nearly as well. A string of Cinemark theaters in North Texas made barely $1,000 each all weekend. It's probably too early to completely tell, and as much as I may love these classics, I'm sure the lack of new movies isn't helping, but it does seem like people aren't quite ready to return to indoor movie theaters, even if the theaters are ready to reopen. I mean, I get that they're losing a ton of money this year, but I can't help thinking that they were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. And finally, today, if 50,000 people have their way, we might soon actually be able to go to Flavortown. Quoting Mashable, As protests against police brutality continue worldwide for the third consecutive week, many are calling for the removal of statues and memorials of problematic historical figures. Statues of Confederate generals, known slaveholders, and Christopher Columbus are being removed all around the United States. A Change.org petition with more than 14,000 signatures wants to take that a step further. The petition, addressed to City Council and Columbus Mayor Andrew Ginther, points out that changing the name to Flavortown not only honors the city's proud heritage as a culinary crossroads, but also honors Guy Fieri, who was born in Columbus. End quote. And now, at the time of recording, the petition is just about to reach its 50,000 signature goal, and the creator of the petition, Tyler Woodbridge, says the petition will be delivered to City Hall on Tuesday, June 30th. The petition has racked up so much traction that Bud Light has promised to give free Bud Light seltzer to all residents if the town is successfully renamed Flavortown. Quoting again from Mashable, As one signer noted in their comments on the petition, changing the city's name to one honoring an indigenous figure would probably make more sense. But at the same time, the name Columbus needs to be done away with so badly, residents might as well choose Flavortown. All joking aside, Guy Fieri has raised $20 million for food service workers impacted by the pandemic, the comment reads. This act alone makes him far more worthy of a town named in his honor than Christopher Columbus. If we have to choose between Flavortown and Columbus, I know where I stand, end quote. Can you imagine? Hey, where are you from? Flavortown, Ohio. I mean, hey, if anything, their tourism would probably spike more sharply than Guy Fieri's frosted tips. It might not be a bad idea for at least a temporary stunt. I mean, it can't be worse than Ice Town. That is all I've got for you today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird. I hope you have a good rest of your day, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.